Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. A lot of wattage in Houston. Superstar J.J. Watt certainly a draw as the NFL's Houston Texans star on this year's version of HBO's Hard Knocks. The show follows a team in training camp, and the Texans' social media presence may also be helping the ratings. It has access to 3 million fans through platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. According to data compiled by MVP Index, Houston ranks 16th of 32 teams in the league on social media. Its top ranking comes from Instagram, where the team ranks 8th. The Texans are more in the middle of the pack on Twitter and Facebook. And maybe the social media promotion contributed to ratings for the second episode of the series. There were up 23% from last year. $140,000. That's the value of a sponsored tweet from LeBron James. The next highest U.S. athlete is the Oklahoma City Thunder's Kevin Durant, whose tweets are worth about half that. The data from Open Doors, a company that specializes in social media campaigns for athletes. This metric may be industry-defining, as we now have a method to evaluate the commercial value of tweets. Look for corporations, agents, and athletes to jump on this process rapidly. And don't look for Danica Patrick to appear in more sexy ads for her main sponsor. The NASCAR driver's team signing a deal with Nature's Bakery to become her main corporate backer. Stuart Haas Racing wanted $18 million for the rights to the number 10 Chevy beginning next season, though terms were not disclosed. The healthy snack maker replaces GoDaddy, the web hosting company which ran risque ads during the Super Bowl and other events. The NFL never sleeps. Training camp leads to preseason, leading to the season opener close at hand. To give us perspective, I sat down with world-class entrepreneur, real estate maven, and Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross. Uh, what's it like to be the, the uh, angel investor of the Drone Racing League? I'll tell you, it's drawn more interest than uh, probably any, a lot of things I've done recently that are obviously a lot more important. But uh, I think uh, a lot of people have kind of, you know, got their attention and uh, thinking about what that might mean. And uh, we're excited about it. Uh, uh, the response, as I said, has been great from a lot of people and having ideas of how they can really, you know, work together with us and creating something that uh, we think has some real legs to it. I find it ironic and appropriate that since you've celebrated your 75th birthday and you have had a heck of a career and have 75 more years left that we lead with the Drone Racing League. Congratulations. <laughs> it's kind of funny, i got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, so let's talk a little bit about background for a minute, and obviously this is for an international audience, but decides fairly early on to take the Wayne State Law School, Michigan Business School, University of Florida route, and could have done a whole bunch of different things, Coopers and Librand and the tax attorney, did you ever think that this would be a path to sports ownership, and what motivated you to do what you did in the mid-60s? 
Well, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I took a path, I mean, starting with nothing and, you know, try to figure out how do you succeed in life. And, uh, you know, as a kid, it was always my dream to own a football team. And, uh, you know, uh, until that dream, you know, was somewhat realizable, you know, I didn't think a lot about it. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, with success and as I got older and, uh, you know, and uh, having the opportunity to to buy a team and being able to afford it, you know, it, it was a very exciting moment. Um, I always saw the benefits of owning a team, uh, you know, far were far greater than just owning the team itself. I mean, it's like how I grew my business. You want to be able to connect the dots, and uh, and I always saw the opportunity of owning a football team opens up a lot of. Uh, a, a, a lot of doors and uh, you know there are only 32 owners and uh, it's something that you know so many people aspire to everybody wants to talk about and uh, it's incredible what owning a football team has really done from from a business standpoint and other aspects of our business so um, you know it really pays for itself and the fact that uh, the value of the team and everybody kind of said I was nuts when I bought the team and uh, about six years ago it was then the highest you know paid price for any uh, sports franchise how it has really gone up since then and it's turned out to be a great uh, economic investment from the aspect of the uh, you know the capital appreciation well listen people don't think you're nuts I just asked you a few years ago on the air whether you thought that 1.1 billion dollars uh, was uh, overpaid underpaid and why you do it and your answer was because you could which was kind of a very interesting answer now you reflect back on years of dolphins no Super Bowl it'll happen this year and years after that do you feel good about the investment Oh, it's, it's been fantastic. I mean, you know, you take the the appreciation. Uh, I mean, I think our team today is worth, you know, well over uh, $2 billion. And you look at the tax benefits that one derives from it. And the fact is that now with, uh, with what we're doing with our new stadium and, you know, investing some additional money in the, in, in the team, um, the cash flow, I think, you know, will grow, you know, uh, substantially. Um, you know, in the past, uh, owning a franchise really meant you really made your money when you sold it. Um, and hopefully, you know, uh, at some point we'll be getting some, you know, good cash flow out of it as well. Well, yeah, the cash flow is important, but also... Uh, but that's not why you buy it, but that's not the reason why you buy a team. No, clearly. I mean, I mean, you buy a team because you really want to create a winner and understand the importance of the team to the community. And it's like owning a utility company. Uh, you know, you're a steward for a period of time, and it's part of the community, and you need to do everything with the team to bring the community together. And uh, and I think there's a real responsibility, I think, in, in owning a franchise that's so important to the fans, you know, in, 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 in the cities itself. Well, some stewards maintain, but you took out a checkbook and stroked, in essence, a $400 million commitment to take the stadium to another level and also to generate substantial Super Bowls over the life of that financing. People don't even understand what that's going to mean. Does that stem from your view that you are a trustee of the franchise on behalf of South Florida? Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, that's why I think one should own a team. 
uh, and you know, and then you want to make sure that you're building a winner, and because uh, that's what everybody in the community really wants, and that's your real, the only way you're really going to be assure yourself uh, of, of of success and support of the fans. Fiftieth anniversary coming up. What's your biggest memory as a Dolphin fan? I mean, you know, you, you know, you, you look back. It's been a long time since uh, they've been in a Super Bowl. So, um, but I can remember those days when they, you know, they were that franchise that people expected to go to Super Bowls, um, and uh, you know, just being what was then in the Orange Bowl. Uh, th- those were exciting moments, just to be part of it, and, and you know, and never dreaming that I, I'd own. The, I mean, dreaming I'd own the team, but not really believing it. Uh, you know, it, it was just fun to be to be part of that, and uh, something you know you, you'd like to, you know, kind of rekindle, if you will. Yeah, dream, dreaming and not believing, but necessarily generating experience to get there as a USFL owner, and then remembering people may not remember you bid on the Jets. Was that the best deal you never made? What buying the Jets? Yeah, not buying. Well, them. I think I think I think anybody who's bought a NFL team, uh, you know, the fact that you didn't is not the best deal you ever did. I think you know buying the Jets would have been great. Uh, I mean, it's nothing like owning the Dolphins because I you know went to high school down there. I mean, I wouldn't mind owning the Jets because I live in New York. Um, but but from my standpoint, I think I really prefer to own the Dolphins, and it's. Uh, and I think it's good that I do a lot of business outside of Miami, and I'm just not recognized uh, and, and self-identified just being an owner of a football team. Well, and, and this is an international audience, so let's talk related for a couple of minutes. It's not just L.A. and Boston and Chicago and New York, but it's also Abu Dhabi, Shanghai, and other places. It's described as the premier high barrier to entry market residential performance. Um, do the... Well, first of all, the diversification of Related is a fully unique company that, frankly, nobody matches in the world. Am I right? Talk a little bit about the company. No, that's not, I mean, I, I like that description. I, I'm sure you're not going to argue with you, you know. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I tried, man. That's, that's I mean, you know, we, we are doing some of the great projects, in, you know, in all the cities you mentioned. Um, you know, and it's, I mean, today in New York, we're building the largest, you know, development ever done in the United States, and we're well underway, and it's, uh, you know, we are already leased close to 7 million square feet, uh, though we haven't announced all of the tenants yet, and, and the retail and the jobs well under construction. We have over 10 million square feet uh, under construction today, and, you know, somewhere around uh, $12 billion, so, uh, you know, that's quite a commitment, but, um, you know, I mean, what, what, what we've done is it's, you know, creating a, a great company is something that obviously I'm very proud of, and it's a great legacy, and uh, and being involved, you know, right now as we're growing across the, you know, the world, really, it's, uh, you know, I look back at it and uh, very proud of it. You, you read a lot, and as a friend, you read a lot more, but then you realize the circumstances of how people behave in certain situations. So you have a commitment to do the Time Warner Center, and it's right after 2001, and you're looking at a skyscraper to be built. Do people understand 
what goes into the mentality of saying we're going ahead under those circumstances. Tell that story just for a couple of minutes. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the real estate development business is obviously a very high risk business because you're doing something, you know, at one time and not knowing what the what the market will be at the time you're completed. Um, and so, you know, you have to learn how to kind of to risk it because you can't be taking total risk on everything you do because then you're just gambling. Um, but, uh, you know, I think people, you know, don't need to understand the risks. I think people really are looking to see what the result is of what you do in terms of the quality of what it is and the impact it has on the community. And, uh, you know, we love doing high-impact projects that kind of enhance the cities that, you know, that we're developing in. And, uh, you know, uh, because we recognize that certainly the projects will certainly outlive all the things that, you know, well, certainly I'll live me and, and as well as anybody working here. So you, you're really building something, you know, to endure and, and you want to be proud of it and you want the city to benefit by it. So, I mean, that's the approach we take. Similarities and differences between the risks involved in owning a franchise like the Dolphins and the risks involved in your high-stakes real estate projects. Well, I mean, the great news in owning a football team is every year you start fresh, you start uh, zero and zero, and everybody has great expectations, and uh, you're not able to do that in business. So, you know, it's a total different kind of mindset you have. You know, you might have a bad season, but, you know, you make the right kind of personnel moves. You can do very well and and bounce back and uh, all the you you give the it's always a hope certificate that you're that you really have for the next year. Um, you know you want to really be in a situation where you're you're winning year after year, but in the National Football League that's a difficult thing because it's really set up that every team should go eight and eight uh, with all the rules that they have and you know the draft and the free agency, the salary cap and all the and all that. So. Um, Owning a football team is totally different than what you can do in business. I mean, you can go after and make sure you have the best staff of everybody because it's, you know, people are are usually available. They're not under contract. And and there are no rules about hiring people from other companies or, you know, or basically, you know, taking, uh, recruiting um, uh, students out of school and training them. I mean, you know... Uh, you, you can get all number one draft choices if you're lucky. Yeah, well, and, and, and frankly, uh, if, if you had the ability, because your heart is leading this investment, you'd have all number one draft picks, and Dolphins would be 19-0 uh, and 0 every single year, and, and uh, people don't kind of understand that you're, you lead with your heart. You, 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 you justify with your wallet, but, but uh, how do you separate the passion from the business, or is there a way to separate it? I mean, yeah, I think you need to have the passion to be in the business, <laughs> you know. I mean, you have to be, to be successful in anything, you better have passion for it um, because it, it, it's, you've you got to really live those things and, and, and take them important and really do the, those things necessary to win, either in business or on the, on the football field. And, um, you know, if, you're, if you don't have the passion, you're going to be distracted and you don't have the real commitment that it takes to be successful. Who's your biggest business hero? I mean, well, in life it was probably my uncle, but he's deceased. But, you know, 
Uh, today at 75, it's kind of hard to, you know, you can't think back of young guys, you know, but uh, uh, there's certainly a lot of, you see what's going on today and the success that a lot of young people are having and, uh, you know, and technology and everything. Um, I can't really say who, I haven't thought about who is my real hero. You've got a lot and you've learned a lot. So a couple of final questions in this context. If you have a choice between the next great Time Warner Center that exceeds your expectations by a factor of two or three, Michigan winning the national championship or the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl, and you could only choose one, what is it? I believe you can have it all. You shoot for the, you shoot for the moon. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's not a bad answer. He's become a great politician, ladies and gentlemen. Now the next final question, um, what are you going to do for the next 75 years? <laughs> Get through the next year. Worry about the other ones after. <laughs> a Super Bowl guarantee on the table? A Super Bowl prediction? No, there's one thing I've learned in owning a sports team. You don't make predictions. You know, I mean, I have an expectation that we're going to make the playoffs, and then we'll go from there. Um, but I certainly even, you know, I, I believe we will, but I'm not predicting it. Steve Ross, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. The producer of the show is Alex Cohen. Audio producer, Adam Wieson. Technical assistance provided by Jamie Weber, Tanner Simpkins, and Carlos Waddick. The executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso.